Hey guys, we are back. We are on episode number eight with the Valor Adventures podcast. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Brandon Neal, with Andrew the Great Fletcher across the table from me today. And uh, we got a good one for you today. Wanted to talk about uh, dialing in your rifle system. Uh, If you just got a new rifle, how to dial it in. If you've had a rifle for a long time and it's not dialed in, how to get it dialed in and all that. So um, the hunts have started officially, Andrew. It's they're going, Uh, you know, the main hunts. I guess there's always a hunt somewhere, but the main fall hunts have begun, right? Mike Smith's been in Nevada chasing some big mule deer. I don't think he's got one yet that we've seen, so I think he's out doing that. He was on our podcast a couple episodes ago. Um, My buddy Josh is up in British Columbia hunting stone sheep. I haven't heard yet how he left last Wednesday. Um, Yeah, I haven't heard how he's doing yet. Um, Brian Maiman is leaving today to Alaska for in the Alaskan range for a dull sheep. And uh, I'm actually going to head out to uh, a trophy antelope hunt in New Mexico this weekend. Should be a quick, fun little hunt. Going to take my boy with me, a little eight-year-old, and uh, cruise out there, and that should be fun. That kind of came up here last minute. <clears throat> so my, 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 my year of not having a lot of hunts to go on is turned it, turning into quite a few. Yeah, you're not allowed to sit still. You're going to do something. Yeah, I think being a member in the, in the right industry helps, right? For sure. I'm, I'm, I'm in a bad place to, like, if I want to say, hey, honey, I want to, you know, maybe take it easy this year on hunting. Like that's what I was kind of thinking. I was gonna when I say take it easy, I just means not. We're doing gonna any. do four or five instead, of, <laughs> yeah. instead of twenty. Yeah, I, you know, it just but all these opportunities pop up, and that's that's why like like our members, right? They get awesome opportunities because, I mean, let's face it. Right now, there's things that come up. People, you know, something goes wrong in their business. Something goes wrong in their personal life, and they can't go on a hunt. Right? Uh, illness comes up, something, and we get these. That's what's happening with this antelope tag. This guy's uh, there was a tag he goes it's it's here you want to come take it i go yeah so i got a great deal on it um and uh you know which through my membership just like anybody else and then another cool thing is uh that kind of came up here is we're going to go down my buddy josh and i are going to go down to mexico of all places in october november i don't know the exact dates yet but we're going to go hunt this uh, new area down there we'll be the first ones down there for rocky mountain elk in mexico I didn't even realize Rocky Mountain Elk were in Mexico. That's wild. Yeah, but apparently it's uh, it's hunting, I think it's right around 7,000 feet, so it's pretty high elevation. Rifle hunt? And rifle hunt, yep. And they've been taking elk down there, transplanting down there for the last six, seven years, and they've got some big bulls that are coming coming into into play right now, and so we're going to go check that out, and that's going to be a really cool hunt, I think, for a lot of people that, you know, want to do elk. And, I mean, our elk hunts go so fast. You know, every time we get one available, it's it's gone pretty quick. So it seems like everybody wants to go kill a big elk, including myself. So I'm excited that came up. That's been a goal of mine for a while. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's coming up. Then i got my general deer, and then I've got Tajikistan in February for Ibex, unless the crazy stuff in Afghanistan gets too crazy, which looks like that could happen. It's getting there. It's getting pretty nuts over there, so makes me a little nervous for that hunt. You know, um, I really want to go do it, but obviously, if uh, anyway, I shouldn't even shouldn't even put it out there, right? <laughs> crazy, crazy times. You know, don't want to be political on the podcast, but man, people are dumb. Whew, I'll tell you what. 
you know, the, the, the decisions that are being made right now uh, are, are uh, not helping America out, I don't think, right? Um, and uh, based on history. So here nor there, we're going to talk about hunting today and shooting. So we're, we're going to have a, a good uh, good time doing that. Oh, and then coyotes. I always got to hunt coyotes. And you're getting ready for archery. You're going to archery hunt next. Archery opens next Saturday. This, this Saturday. Saturday. This Saturday. Yeah, a couple days. Whew, awesome. So you'll be doing that. You got an elk hunt, a couple elk hunts to go on. Yeah. You're helping a couple people, and you got Wyoming. Maybe I'll tag along on one of those or two of those two, uh, depending on what I got going as well. Hate for you to be bored. Yeah. Right. No kidding. Well, this year I'm gonna have a blast, man. I'm have fun getting out in the outdoors and enjoying it, and getting my kids involved in it more. And uh, that's you know that's my that's my plan this fall. But Andrew, so. You know, we do a lot of rifle hunting. Um, we do all kinds of hunting, but rifle hunting we do a lot of, probably more than the rest. And so we've got quite a bit of experience in getting a rifle system dialed in to where, not necessarily long range, I mean, you could shoot long range, but more precision, right? We want, we want precision shooting. We want to take good shots. If they happen to be long range, have the confidence to make a long range shot. But, of course, we want to be able to just help people get set up for hunting applications right yeah. you know getting in and making a good two three four hundred yard shot ideally and then you know uh, making sure if, if you needed to take a six or seven hundred yard shot and you had to do it uh, you could do it yeah i think if people haven't shot a rifle that's set up properly it's like i use i always used to think it's like the first several guns that i bought it's like just off the shelf walmart already come with the scope you know it's like when i first started shooting those it's like i thought i remember my brother he killed a deer like 220 yards and we just could not believe it yeah it's like but shooting take like taking a five or six hundred yard shot with a rifle that's set up the right way versus taking a 200 yard shot with a rifle that's not i take the 600 yard shot with the right rifle and it's way easier way easier than taking a 200 yard shot with a rifle that's not set up that way amen amen yeah, I mean, you can you can get in a good scope and look in a good scope versus not a very good scope, right? And it makes all the difference in the world. And, and there's a lot of people out there that have never experienced that. You know, they've got a they've got their rifle with a $300 scope on it, and there is a difference between a $300 scope and a $1,500 scope, right? Yeah. Um, and it it does it it, it it's crazy the the difference it makes. So. Uh, what's the perfect rifle? What's the perfect caliber, right? That's the question we get all the time. What's, what should I get? What's the perfect ideal all-around rifle? What, what's, what's the best round? I think there's two approaches to take uh, whenever you're selecting a cartridge. You can always look at it like it's, it's a tool for a job, right? So if I'm going on an elk hunt, there's obviously really good selection for that. If you're going on a coos deer hunt, there's obviously a lot of really good selection for that. So I think you can take the approach of I'm going to build a specific rifle for a specific species, or you can take the I'm going to have one that will do everything. So I think it's probably better to start with the I'm going to have one that will do everything before you move into building specific guns for specific hunts. Because, like, obviously, it's like you've got several. It's like you got 7 mag, several 6 millimeters, 6.5 PRC. So you can kind of cater, you know, your hunt to the gun. Whereas if you just have one that will do it all to start, then budget-friendly, that's probably a better way to go while you're first starting to learn it, I think. But seven mags tough to beat. Yeah. No, I agree. 
Yep, I think so. And and it's everybody's got their opinion, right, on what's what's good and what's the best and what's the best all around. And seven mag is hard to beat. You know, yep. if, if someone's going to get a first time rifle, you can find ammo for a seven mag uh, about as easy as anything, no matter what country you're in. And um, I mean, you can shoot a seven mag. I mean, we've shot them out to a mile. You know, yeah. Um, Killed two elk past twelve hundred with them. Wow. Yeah. So. Yeah, seven mag is a great all around. Um, you could even hunt brown bear with uh, seven mag. You know, I, I know Brian Maiman killed a giant. I think is whatever how how big that thing is, eleven footer, big old sucker with his seven mag. Um, may not be the ideal for a brown bear. I had somebody I was talking to the other day that wants to go to brown bear hunt, and he, and he was talking about how he had a three thirty eight Lapua. I go, that's good. That's that's for a brown bear. Yeah, you know. He was asking me what what I shot and what he thinks I should what he thinks I think he should shoot. Yeah, if I'm shooting a brown bear, I want it dead and I want it dead right there. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, 300 wind mag or you know it's 30 caliber. Not I mean 30, 300 ultra wind mag, yeah. 338 Lapua. 300 rum. 300 rum for yeah for for a brown bear you know definitely. Yeah. Pretty much everything else though in the lower 48, seven mag is gonna do as good a number as about anything else you know. Yeah. Um, I, I, I personally, you know, as, as, as technology, I don't know if technology is the right word, but as things have evolved, um, been more of a fan of a little smaller bullets that shoot faster mm -hmm. and they're the right bullet because there's less recoil. And, you know, some people I think, oh, I'm tough enough, you know, it doesn't matter for kicks, but come to a shooting school, come shoot 100, 150 rounds in a, in a weekend, 200 rounds in a weekend. Yeah. And, um, you'll quickly learn that being able to follow up on your shot is, is a, is a pretty dang valuable, um, you know, just a valuable thing to, to be able to do, especially yeah. if you're by yourself. I think even more important than your cartridge selection is your bullet selection. Cause it's like what you're saying, like you can get away with shooting a much, much smaller round if your bullet performs versus shooting a really big round where the bullet sucks. Yeah. This is like, I know several guys whenever they're, you know, especially building like precision rifles for, you know, PRS match, anything like that somebody will come out with a new bullet and they'll build their entire gun around a specific bullet. Yep. So it's like you look at the little six millimeters that you're shooting, it's like they're twice as devastating as somebody shooting even a 300 rum with the wrong bullet. Yeah. By far. Yeah. They really, they really are. And people go, ah, how can that be? There's less energy. And yeah, energy is definitely a big factor for sure. But how that bullet holds together or doesn't hold together makes a difference. You are, know? You, are you an exit wound guy or a not exit wound guy? I used to be a non-exit wound guy. I used to love the burgers because they went in. I mean, I killed, uh, like, the first elk I killed was with a burger. And uh, it was actually a JLK, which is the same thing as a burger, basically. And uh, shot it at uh, right at 700 yards. One shot, went in, just destroyed it, you know. And so it was a perfect, uh, perfect, perfect scenario. It was 700 yards. He was out in the open, shot him right in the vitals took two or three steps and was done. I uh, killed quite a few deer with those two, with burgers. Uh, same thing, one shot and done. They were all longer range. They were all 300-plus yards. Uh, I did kill one deer that was close range with a burger, and I had to shoot him like three times. And I think that's because burgers need that extra distance to perform the way they were designed to perform is my Definitely. guess. I've watched a lot of stuff. I hate burgers. I think, like, if you're going to build an accurate bullet, I think burger accuracy-wise, phenomenal. But I've seen, and even, like you're saying, past 300 yards, everything I've seen shot with a burger just devastates. But I was guiding, and this is what really made me hate burgers, is I was guiding a girl on a cow elk hunt one year, and elk was probably 80 yards. She's shooting a 300 wind mag, shoots 
cow doesn't flinch, nothing. I have no idea where a bullet went. So she shoots again, shoots again, reloads, shoots two more times. Elk walks off. So she's mad. Mm. She's a young girl. It's her first big game animal. She's freaking out. And so I tell her, like, we'll go side it in. It's not a big deal. And then out of the corner of my eye, I just see elk tip over. So we went mm. up there, and she had five shots, probably in a five-inch group. Perfect. And it looked like somebody's up there just stabbing it with a pencil. Mm. And zero expansion. So it's like it's just – Just buzzing right through it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think burgers, if they got a little bit of time to slow down, then They go awesome. and they explode inside. But yeah, inside of that – yeah, so we we've been using a lot of the mono, mono, monolithic, monolithic, monolithic. I always forget the name of the monolithic bullets, but they're a machined bullet and they're they're all copper. Um, I will tell you this though, you got to make sure that you go shoot them because we had we had a bad batch from one of the companies we used, and the company calls us, hey, we're so sorry, we had a bad batch of copper come in, and you remember those bullets I was mm-hmm. shooting? I couldn't get it to sh- I couldn't get it to hit a three foot piece of paper at 100 yards. It was not good, right? Yeah. So I was like, these these suck. I, I I sent them back. But the but the 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 good copper, right? They they shoot lights out. Now, so anyway, so so those are good. You can shoot a lot smaller grain bullet. Brad Dana killed a basically a 400 inch bull in South Dakota this year with a 6.5 bullet, and it, I think it was 130 grain. I think is all it was. Maybe 125. I gotta look. Um, but it was a bulldozer bullet. You can look at bulldozer Badlands bulldozer. It was right in the 130 range grain. You can look them up. Uh, and that's what he used, and uh, one shot, one and done. I killed uh, big bison this year in June in Alaska with a Hornady 135-grain A-tip, and they're not a monolithic. Um, they actually do have some lead in them, but thing went 20 yards and was down. Um, you know, Brian Martin, who we um, consult with a lot and works with us a lot within Rolling Bones, He's big on the monolithics, and uh, reason being is if you do shoot through a little bit of brush or something, the bullet stays intact and still does its job. But anyway, that, so so shooting that bison, there was no exit wound, but that's a bison. It's huge. Um, I'm I'm excited to see what it'll do to these antelope. I'm gonna take my six all mountain, so just, it's a six eight uh, six millimeter a tip, 110 grain. So I'll let you know how that does this Saturday. I'm sure it'll do great on antelope. Um, and uh, I'll use it on a lot of coyotes too. I was planning on using it for my deer hunt this year. Uh, for elk, I'll take my 6.5 PRC when I go to to um, Mexico. But uh, anyway, so so you know, you you don't necessarily need the bigger, heavier bullets. Now, the bigger, heavier bullets have a, a higher BC usually, and that's helpful. And when I say we we're not, they're not bigger, heavier. It's not necessarily true because I'm shooting 110 grain six millimeter, which is heavier than a lot of people would use in like a 243. So I guess I shouldn't necessarily say that. But like in my 6.5 PRC, I can shoot a 147 ELDM, which I've killed a lot of stuff with those bullets, or a 135 A-tip. And the A-tip's going, you know, I don't know how much faster, probably, man, like 200 feet a second faster. That's a lot of extra speed. Screaming. A lot of less uh, adjustment for your, your dope when you're shooting out to distance. So anyway, I don't know if this is on the topic of dialing in your rifle, but I just I think it's important for guys to get an idea of what they're looking for and what they want to do. And yeah, I think it's important because a lot of guys, I don't even think think about it. It's like the bullets would actually hit the animal. So it's like in my mind, that's like one of the absolute most important things, finding a bullet that will perform in every situation, not just like the perfect situation. So like I shoot the ELD match, big believer in those. I've probably seen 100 big game animals get killed with them from we've killed antelope. I've killed moose with them. I've watched one guy shoot a buffalo with my seven. Yep. So I like them because, 
like with they get similar and they're not I'm not an exit wound guy it's like I like I still like them blowing up inside but yeah. what's nice about them is like my wife's first deer she shot did not make a good shot hit it right in the guts and rather than it just like penciling through like a burger would have it dropped its guts out of it so I've seen two of my buddies hit deer in the butt I've hit a deer in the butt with it just you know, crap happens you know sure. nothing ever goes perfect so it's like I love I love those because they're like just the the wiggle room that it gives you yeah. is phenomenal like we've never lost an animal with them so it's just because it hit and they pop every time yeah but then i've also it's like i killed i shot one cow at 1211 yards with them hit her right in the shoulder and it blew a blew a hole probably about the size of a softball through her shoulder wow so they hold together well enough and you'll find like the back half so i, I found like the front half will usually pop and you'll find that back like the lead core yep usually on the opposite side yeah, I shot that, that mule deer, a long shot mule deer, 980 yards, and uh, went almost all the way through. It was, it was the, the bullet was lodged in the opposite shoulder, and that was pretty cool how, yeah. how it performed there. And then I, I've shot a lot with the ALDMs too. I did have one get away from me. We shoot it using a 7 mag. It was a 700-yard shot. Call morning. I was really confident about the shot, but for some reason I hit uh, to the right. And the way he was facing it ended up hitting him kind of just below the juggler on his neck. And so it was kind of lower neck in front of the shoulder. Somehow I hit him right there, and we have the video footage and see it going in. And went up and tracked him, and there was just very little blood, and I never did find it. Um, so I did have one get away with the ELDMs, but it also wasn't – it didn't go in at a great spot. But, you know, where it went in, it should have killed him. And, you know, probably did, unfortunately. I just never did find it. So I didn't hunt any more that year. I, I felt like that was my that was my tag. But, uh, yeah, so uh, you, hate, you hate hearing those stories, but the reality is when you're hunting, sometimes things, you hunt yeah. enough, it, it does happen. But I'm with you. I, mean, I think for the most part, LDMs, people ask all the time, it's a match bullet. It's not a hunting bullet, but I, I, I would argue it's a great hunting bullet. Oh, yeah. So One thing that I always look at, too, like if you reload, reloading, it's like if you – if you take one bullet, like just weigh from bullet to bullet, it's like you don't have to. It's like they're usually pretty close, but it's impressive. Like I've I've weighed some of the ELDXs, so in like a like a six five, they make 140, 45 grain, or I think no, the 145s in the 277 cal. But you'll get like two or three grain swings sometimes in them. Whereas like mm. a box of ELDMs, you'll get like a 0.2 grain under and a 0.2 grain above, so you're within usually half a grain. Whereas some of the other boxes, you'll get two grain swings in some of their hunting bullets and it's a big deal you know? huge yeah so you're, you're reloading and you, you end up having your bullets fly different that's why yeah so it's interesting like if you if you pick a box of bullets like find the most consistent because like, that's everything and pretty much everything precision is consistency is king so if you find bullets that are and that's why burgers are so phenomenal or these monolithic bullets why they're so good is your machine the exact same so there's nothing more consistent than those. No. That's why the A-tips are awesome. That's why any of these are so good. Right. Because the consistency is unmatched. Right. So let's talk about, you know, newer, newer, not necessarily newer shooter, newer shooter to maybe precision long range. I've got a rifle. i got to go dial it in. I just, I just had one built or I just had one put together. I just put a scope on it. I'm going to go out and, and shoot it. And just, just I'll kind of start with, with my layman's way of doing it. And you can perfect me, Andrew, because you're definitely much more of a perfectionist. You're much more of a nerd when it comes to dialing in a rifle. So I'm going I'm to talk about from the cool guy perspective, and you're going to talk from the nerd perspective. <laughs> okay? This will be a first for me. So, uh, <laughs> so for me, I get a gun ready to go. I go out. I mean, I'll bore sight it first, you know, 
And then from there, I'll shoot it at 100 yards. And I want to get a good group at 100 yards. And I prefer, with most rifles, to be about an inch high at 100 yards because that puts me about right on at 200 for most rifles. Okay, if I'm shooting a 6, 6.5, six, 7 mag. I like to be zeroed at 200. Some people like to be zeroed at 100. Doesn't really matter. I, I prefer 200. So I'll, I'll do that until I get a good group. Now, for me, initially, like if I was, you know, newer to shooting or didn't want to reload, I would look... I would look really seriously at the match ammo from Hornady. I've hunted with that. That's in fact the last few years. That's all I've hunted with, and I actually reload more now. But uh, reloaded then too. But it was just so convenient to buy those. They shot really good. The velocity is not as fast as you could do if you if you did your own loads. So you get a little bit more velocity. But man, you know you you get those. But here's the thing. So when you get those, understand that if you buy a couple boxes from one store and a couple boxes from another store and a couple boxes from another store, every store is going to have a different lot of bullets. So you need to make sure before you go hunting that you shoot the, the boxes of, that are in the same lot. You're taking the same lot with you hunting because I've had some be as, as high as four inches difference in, in um, uh, not windage, but elevation when shooting. And I found that out. I was hunting coyotes one day, shot at a coyote, and I shot right over his back. And I was like, there's no way I missed that coyote. So I went and, and uh, shot at a, at a piece of, you know, when, when set up a target, it was four inches high. I was like, what the heck? And then I was actually listening to one of Rolling Bones podcasts, and Brian Martin was saying there's different lots of bullets, and I didn't even realize. I, I've been shooting for years. I didn't know that. So uh, now I know that. And so anyway, so but that I would look, I would look into that ammo. Okay, get dialed in at 100. Uh, I prefer a sub-minute group, meaning you're an inch or less in your group. Um, you know, some people can't shoot. How many shots? I like to get five. And I like to get five touching if I can. Now, with, with that Hornady match ammo, you may not be able to quite do that. It shoots really good. And, and I would argue, depending on the rifle and the shooter, it, it can be that a lot, right? I, I, I typically got it in not a one-hole group, but, you know, they were all touching at 100 yards. Then what I do is I set up a plate at 400 yards, 600 yards, and 800 yards. And I'll go out, and, and, and if I have a chronograph, I will chronograph at 100 yards to get an idea of what my feet per second are. And I don't know how accurate chronographs are. I know you might argue that yours is really accurate, but I don't know. My experience is I get close with the chronograph. You always got to tweak it. Yeah. Yep, and then I'll go shoot 400 based on my chronograph. I'll, so I, I use an app on my phone called Shooter. I'll da I, I use that app. I'll put in my data, you know, my BC, all that stuff, and then it'll tell me what to dial for 400, and then I'll, I'll I, I like to do this part on a bench so I'm super steady, and it's very helpful if you have a spotter with you. If you don't, I'll use my spotting scope with my phone cam and just record my shots. In case I miss, I can see where my bullet's going. And that works pretty well. So I'll go shoot 400 and, until I hit that 400. Now, I like to, I like to hit that 400-yard um, uh, plate, like, in the center. I, I think at 400 yards, you should be able to hit, you know, a, a one-minute group is a four-inch group, but I like to be, like, a two-inch group of 400 if I can. So I make sure I'm dialed at four. And then once I'm dialed at four, then I'll take it out to six. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll bit go off my shooter app. And then if I'm a little off, I'll, I'll adjust. And I, and I write everything down. So if I'm... You know, a minute or two high or a minute or two low or whatever, I'll, I'll mark that down. Okay, my windage should all stay pretty much the same because that shouldn't change too much, right? 
by the way, when I, at 100 yards, if I want to be really anal, I like to be, um, I like my, my, the holes in my bolts to be at like 10 o'clock on the, so there's the, there's the bullseye. I like, I like all my holes to be at 10 o'clock on that bullseye for spin drift because most barrels are left to right. So that way when I'm shooting out a little further, it just compensates a little bit. For, you don't have to worry about that until you're a thousand yards, 800 thousand yards, but you, you know, you, you, anyway, and then I'll shoot and then I'll do the same thing out to 800. And sometimes it'll take a couple times to go out there to start hitting that 800. But usually, I mean, if I can hit, get dialed in at 100, hit 400, 600, and 800, it's a good starting place. If it's a new gun and I don't have at least 100 rounds through it, I'm going to keep in mind that after 100 rounds, most likely my bullets are going to speed up a little bit as my barrel breaks in. So usually as, you, as your barrel breaks in, you're going to get a little more speed out of it, maybe as much as 50 to 100 feet per second. So keep that in mind that, you know, as you're shooting it, you might, you just want to, uh, like before I go hunting, I just went out last week and checked my six all mountain. It's ready to go for this weekend. I, I, it's all dialed. It's ready. It's on. Um, so that, that's where I start. So I'll, I'll, I'll let you kind of talk about things that you would do even that you can get. I mean, don't, don't, don't get too deep on us, Andrew, because you know, we don't want to put people to sleep, but I always start with load work before I go any distance. I, I get my load first, but I pretty much exclusively all of my bullets are homegrown. So I always start with, with low data. So I usually do a, a ladder test or a bunch of different ways to do it. So probably the, one of the easiest ways to do it is if you get like a hundred yard zero. So what you're looking for is you want your tolerance, right? So you can start at like a hundred yards, get zeroed with your starting load. And then you can put up like a big, like a big target at 600. This is when I first started doing it. And you actually get a Sharpie and color the, the your bullets. So I might, you know, if I'm starting for like a 6.5 Creedmoor, I might start at 39 grains. I'll load, you know, two at 39, load two at 39 and a half, 40, 40 and a half, 41. And then I'll color all those different colors. And then you shoot at 600. And what you'll see is they'll be bouncing, bouncing, bouncing. And then you'll have three that'll stack close. So that means is you found an accuracy node is your what node, it's called. Right, yeah. So you basically, what, what all that means is as you load more powder, you'll kind of plateau. So you'll be coming up 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 you know it's like a, from 39 to 40 it's like I might gain a little and then I'm going to see that 40 40 and a half and 41 are really close so I've got a plateau in my velocity so you hit these accuracy nodes where it's basically more consistent so you can even be a little bit sloppy with reloading because you've given yourself a, a 0.3 or 4 grain tolerance yeah. one way or the other so I usually you find your node and with me I've always been first on accuracy second on velocity like most of the guns that I shoot like I would my, agree my 7 mag for example I'm only shooting 28 2880 in my 7 mag which you can go much hotter you can push those out at almost 31 if you really push them mm -hmm. but I'm shooting 2880 but I'm shooting you know, 0.3 0.3 inch group so I yep. take that over and my standard deviation I always pay a lot of attention to standard deviation and standard deviation will come in basically just the shot to shot difference how much your your muzzle velocity varies so standard deviation is kind of the first thing that i want because if you're you can have a great group and it's impressive like well you've been load working it's pretty crazy that you can shoot like a half inch group and you're getting a 15 or 20 foot per second swing in between shots yeah, right so it's awesome for 100 but if you take a 15 or 20 foot per second swing out to 800 you're missing by eight, 10 inches. Yep. One way or the other. Which is the difference between a kill and a miss. Yeah. yeah. And extremely frustrating because you can make a perfect shot and you have no idea what's going on. So like my, my six, five right now that I shoot, I've got my load's not hot, but my standard de deviations about five, which is awesome. So those are kind of what I look at. So that's kind of basics on 
low development yep. is just standard deviation, finding your accuracy node, then I shoot groups. So once I've found two or three nodes, because you usually have two or three within within there, then I shoot at 100 for groups. And then whichever one groups the best, and then I'll usually chronograph those for my standard deviation. That's usually how I pick my load. Um, how do you start with your bullet length? What do you? How far off the lands do you go? So for hunting rifles, I usually seat them as far out as I can for the magazine, because you usually run out of room in a magazine before you run into the lands or anything like that. So, and depending on the bullet, some bullets, so like these ELD mats is one of my favorite things about them. They're not, not picky on jumping. Burgers can be pretty picky on where they sit, so you have to screw with that quite a bit sometimes. Um, these ELD matches that I shoot, they're pretty, they're not very picky. So yeah. I, I do like that. It's so like with my, with my Tika, for example, my biggest gripe with Tika, freaking awesome rifles, their magazine sucks. So you have to sit your bullet so stinking deep. Right. So... But it's, they still, I shoot half minute with that Tika, even though. So finding a bullet that's not picky, like you, you just want to give yourself as much margin of error as possible. So less picky bullet. Find your accuracy node in case you aren't super accurate on reloading. Yep. Um, but yeah, I usually don't have to screw with that too much, but I usually start as far out as I can in the magazine. Okay. Okay, good. So that, that's 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 getting good. That's that's some good information. I mean, so I, I reload a little bit too, and. Um, you know, I've got to uh, do a similar type thing. I, I'll, I'll, if I'm reloading, I'll definitely find my node. And I do like to have it fast, but I'm with you. I think accuracy before speed, for sure. But I like to go as fast as I can. So a lot of times what I'll do is if I can, um, sometimes what I'll do, I'll kind of do it backwards of you. At least that's what I've done the last couple of times, where I'll see how hot I can go before the bolt starts getting a little sticky. And then I'll back it off a half a grain. And then from there go down to find my node and that's what i've done the last couple and so i'm I'm as, I'm as hot as i can go and still in that node in that more the most consistent place so that's something that you could do if you were reloading as well a, a way that you could do that um you know and there's there's you know there's primers there's powder there's you can measure your brass you can get crazy into it um i i mean i guess i suppose i mean i know you you are don't get me wrong. I I, I, want, I want to be as accurate. As I don't possible measure brass. Well. That seems a little, little crazy. If you keep the same type of brass, buy buy good brass. I don't measure brass. That's freaking stupid. I measure bullets, but yeah, I'll tell you. I weigh so my bullets, but I, I I do know. Like even like I think it was Nosler brass. Brian Martin was telling me he's weighed them before, and they're 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 different, which tells mm-hmm. you the the wall of the brass, the wall different, of the, yeah, and, and that's where. You know, the pressure is different between your bullet and the, and the powder. So you can get so deep into this stuff. Yeah. And, 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 hey, if that's your thing and you want to do that, have fun with it, you know. I think 99% of people would be better off taking all the time that they'd be spent weighing their brass and go shoot. Go just, shoot. I'm If with you're you. down to the point where you have to weigh your brass, you're, I guarantee you 99% of people are not a good enough shot to make up that difference. There's no exactly. way. Exactly. Exactly. So, and I've, I've been with way too many people that buy a box of – cheaper ammo and they're out hunting with it and they kill stuff at distance all the time mm-hmm. you know you'll know, get a nozzle box of nozzler partitions or you know not that that's necessarily cheap but you know i mean it's not like the high-end stuff either yeah and uh they're just fine so don't let it rattle you you know if you want to get out there and, and and shoot long range i mean I, I would say um you need a good rifle you know good rifle um and even more importantly than that you need good bases and rings and scope yeah. Optics. I think and probably your experience, same thing, where it's like it blows people's minds how simple it is to shoot long range, right? It's like everybody thinks this is crazy science, but it's like the tools that we got now between like like the Hornady app is free 
it's phenomenal. Yeah, it's or similar so, to the shooter app. Just yeah, so shooter, you all know. straight yeah. lock, like all those. It's like the first year that I started shooting long range, I was working at Christensen Arms, had two of the guys there that helped me set up a gun. And I'd never shot. I'd never killed anything past 200 yards. They helped me get it all dialed in. We went shot for probably three or four weeks. I probably put four or 500 rounds to it, but I killed a bullet at 1,057 that year. And it, all I do is say it's 1,057. You plug it in, 1,057 tells you what number to turn it to, and you dump it. Yep. So, And that's why it's like you can go so far down the rabbit hole on everything, but if you can't shoot, none of it matters. Right. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Okay, good. So, I mean, uh, people go, how much should I spend on my optic? How much should I spend on my rifle? Look, you can go get a, a nice rifle, say a, a Bergara off the shelf. Great rifles. Tika, great rifle. Remington, great rifle. There's there's lots of them, right? We go on and on. And uh, I prefer to get stainless They so they don't rust out. You know, you don't have to. We, we, uh, we also sell a Ruger American that's not stainless, but it's a great gun. It shoots really well. So... But if you're going to go to Alaska or something, stainless is, is important. And then, uh, you know, I, I prefer a carbon fiber barrel, but that's not necessarily necessary either. Um, but there's some advantages to carbon fiber. It cools off quicker. It's, uh, it can be uh, lighter. Um, yeah. But, you know, there's, there's definitely steel barrels that are light as well. Yeah. So um, I don't know where I was going with that. Oh, yeah. So anyway, so, so, so the rifle is, is important. You don't, I mean, you could spend, what, five, 500 to five grand on a rifle and they could all shoot similar to the same. Would you agree? Oh yeah. I think most rifles will shoot better than most people. Yes. Even if it's a five, $600 rifle. Yeah. Like I've got a Ruger American 300 blackout that just shoots lights out. Yeah. Three, I got a, I got $350 a little, gun. Yeah. I got a little two, two, three, uh, Ruger American. Right. And same five, five, six, two, I think it's five, mm-hmm. five, six, whatever. It's the same thing, basically. but, uh, 200 bucks. Yeah. No, no, 400 bucks. It was a 400? No, I think it was only 200 bucks. Yeah, they're freaking cheap, but yeah. they're sweet. Oh, it shoots really good. Anyway, so yeah, so you got you got your rifle. Uh, again, stainless you're going to pay a little more money for. I think it's very worth it to, to go stainless. And then, you know, get a good optic. And I think if you're, you know, you might only spend six or seven or 800 bucks on your rifle. My opinion is splurge on the optic. Get an optic that you can, like a, a scope. I prefer getting a Picatinny rail. On my, on my rifles, and then get a scope with good rings. So I'll tell you what I shoot, and it's like the top line, top line. You know, you, there are more expensive scopes, but it's pretty up there. I shoot a Mark V, the 3 by 18 by 44 Mark V Leopold, and I've got uh, the American Rifle Company rings on it, and I can take that one scope, and I can use it on all my rifles. And... It's first focal plane. It's, you know, so we've got them on our website. You can check them out. You get your member pricing on them. And there's also the Very X6 that people like that's uh, also, you know, similar in pricing. It's a little bit less, but it's a second focal plane if you'd rather have a second focal plane. But, you know, my point is get a really good scope, really good optic, and you can use it on, you can use it for your whole life. Then you also need to have a good rangefinder. Whether you prefer, I, I know you like, you've used the SIG. Have you used the yeah, SIG? Yeah, i got the Kilo 2400. Yep, that's a really good one. If you want to have a, a separate rangefinder from your binos, that's a that's really good. And you don't have to have that one by any means. But the good thing about that is you can put in your, your ballistic data, right, and it'll tell you how many, yep. where to dial. And uh, I, I use a pair of Zeiss uh, rangefinding, the new Zeiss uh, Victories, uh, and they, they also have the ballistics in there. I can range it, tells me where to dial. Suaro has a new one out that does the ballistics. Leica has a good one out, does ballistics. 
Um, or again, you can just have a good pair of binos, and but you gotta have a rangefinder, you know. And then I don't just rely on my rangefinder, even though my my binos do it all. If they ever fail, um, I have a my my fallback is I have my shooting my my drop chart taped to my gun. I just take some packing tape, I I, I print it out, and uh, it's taped aside of my gun. So so if if my rangefinder fails. Hopefully someone else there has a range finder that can at least give me a range, and I can look on my chart and see what I need to dial to. Yeah. So those are things you can do to get, you know, prepared. And then a bubble level. you got to have a bubble level. Yeah. And to get that thing set up the right way as well, uh, make sure it's actually level, <laughs> right, or it won't do any good. But that's something we'll notice a lot of times at our schools when we start shooting at distance. Guys will wonder, why am I missing? And we'll say, start paying attention to your bubble. And, and a lot of times their rifle is canted one way or another, and that's the only reason they're missing. They, yeah. they fix that. They start hitting. You know, after 400 yards, not, not you know, maybe up to five, 500, it's not as crucial, but you get out there beyond yeah, that. Yeah, past 500, like you can get away with a lot out to 500. Yeah, yeah I've seen you shoot stuff freehand at 500. So. Yeah, you can get away <laughs> with a lot at 500. Past, like, I've, like I think 650, 700 is where you got to know what you're doing. Yeah. Or at least have the right setup, you know. I agree. I think something changes, yeah, like beyond 700. I think something seems to change. Yeah. And then it changes again at about 13. Yeah. I, yeah, I think you're right. 13, and then past 15 is where the men separate from the boys. That's just, that, yeah, it's just craziness. That's where you, <laughs> that's where you need a Brad Dana behind uh, a scope to kind of help you know what, what you should dial to. Or maybe an Andrew Fletcher. He might be nerdy enough to figure that out. Um, yeah, no, we were shooting out to a mile at a school last year. Uh, it's kind of fun. You know, it takes a while for the bullet to get there, and you hear it hit the plate. Don't you know? It's four it's, second difference. Yeah, it's really cool, really cool. So yeah. Anyway, I mean, that's that's uh, you know, uh, that's that's some of the main main things you got to watch for, right? When you're when you're getting dialed in. Yeah, and I think if you get if you buy a factory rifle, I think the two biggest things that anybody can do to make themselves a better shooter is new trigger and muzzle device, whether it's a suppressor, muzzle brake. Just because you look at, and I use it all the time, but Anybody can shoot a 22 awesome. It's because they're not scared of it. And this is why I think the, the whole argument, like, I'm going to shoot a 300 rum or 338 Lapua for everything, is stupid. Because the chances of you shooting, like, the chances of somebody take just grabbing a 338 and shooting a one-inch group with a 338 Lapua, it just doesn't happen. Like, no matter how big you are, it's not a knock on your manhood, anything. Like, they're just tough to shoot because they're big. They yep. buck the crap out of you. But if you take a six creed more, 12-year-old girl can shoot a half-inch group with a six-screw because she's not scared of it, you yeah. know? So, new trigger, muzzle device, whether it's muzzle brake, suppressor, one of these solvent traps, any of that, is yeah. the biggest favor you can do yourself to take advantage of whatever gun you got. Good tips. Yeah, in fact, that's really, I'm glad you brought that up. I, yeah, we I forgot about that because uh, trigger, you know, the, these these rifles that you buy stock a lot of times, their triggers just are not It's like very, five, six, seven pounds. Yeah. It's like you're trying to pull a wall over. Exactly. I mean, take a couple hundred bucks, get yourself a, like a trigger tech or something, and, you know, they're easy to install. You yeah, really easy. Yep. And a trigger makes a big difference. Yeah, and, and, and yeah, the, the recoil, being able to minimize that helps out a bunch. So, okay, good. Well, hopefully this is helpful for everybody. Again, we'd love to hear your feedback and uh, give us some reviews as you hear our podcast. We know there's probably five or six of you now that listen to this, so that, that I think we might have grown <laughs> up by a listener or two by now <laughs> so we'll keep uh we'll keep popping popping them out and uh, bring in as much value as we can and 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 uh and more we i've got some good guests that uh i've got in mind too that we'll have here in the future 
that uh, will get on here with us, and you'll all like to hear from them and hear their experiences. And uh, we'll start getting into some specific hunts we've been on as well and talk about those over these next couple of weeks. But uh, hope you're all getting ready for the hunting season or out hunting now and having a good time. And uh, if there's anything we can do to help you, feel free to give us a call at any time. Uh, look us up on ValorAdventures.com, uh, RollingBones.com, and uh, we're here to help you. So um, Instagram, Valor Adventures, uh, Valor Outdoor Adventures is one of our Instagrams. Uh, Andrew, what's, your, what's yours again? High Country Havoc. High Country Havoc. Uh, Rolling Bones is a good one to follow if you're looking for social media stuff to look at. And uh, we're all there. So we appreciate you all tuning in. Hope you're having a great day today. If you're not, decide to make the last part of your day good. And we'll see you all next time.